It's a joy to be with you and um, a privilege to uh, be able to open God's Word to you. I'm going to begin reading from verse 1 of Luke chapter 15. Hear the Word of God. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost? until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them, and not many days later, The younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And we'll stop reading right there. This is the word of the Lord. I stopped reading there because you pretty well know the story that follows of the story of the two lost sons. Jesus told these three stories because something that he encountered. You see, in the very first two verses, we see the scene unfold before Jesus. There were tax collectors and sinners that were drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes saw this movement toward Jesus. And in condemning those drawing near to him, they looked at disdain to these people. And, he, and they said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And then he told the story to talk about the lost. 
This is the question that Jesus is asking in these stories. How do you view the lost? It's an important question. And I think there comes into focus here in these first two verses the tension that exists in Christendom since the beginning. Will we be those who are being drawn to Jesus? Or are we among those looking down on those who are drawn to Him? And I think I speak of Christendom, and it really comes into focus in each one of us. It it comes into play like this. Are we going to be religious followers who look down on these kind of people? And it's those kind of people that are being drawn to the real Jesus who stood there, who taught. And the religious looked at him and those being drawn with disdain. You see, that's what is before us. How do we view people around us? Do we look down on them? Or do we walk among them as those also that are broken and drawn to Jesus. Jesus told these stories to bring focus to that question. And I want to look at all of these, all three of these stories together because they teach us about lostness and what Jesus was trying to show in this context and what he wants to show us where we are here. And and if we take these together, these stories that Jesus told, the first thing we see, and it just kind of jumps out at us, is the reality of the lost. Who are the players? There was a lost sheep, a lost coin, and two lost sons. And we're, we're going to talk about those later, but uh, one was obviously lost and one was religiously lost, you see. Isn't it obvious to us? There's lost, folks. I'm sad to say, it wasn't so obvious to me. We've had the privilege of sharing over this weekend the works that we're involved in in Bulgaria, and, and Beth was describing the daughters of Bulgaria. You know, as we have worked with the daughters, the reality was it wasn't obvious to me that these folks were lost. As I've shared in Sunday school, These women would be on the streets as we took our kids to school. 
I didn't see them. Why? Because as a Christian man, it was my duty to look the other way, to put my glance over here and to avoid them because I'm a Christian after all. And yet, after God revealed them, opened our eyes through those words of the woman from Berlin who visited us, who said, these women on the streets are our mothers, our sisters, and our daughters. And when I saw them as daughters, suddenly they had an identity. You see. But the interesting thing was, as I also shared earlier today, that question... God opened our eyes to see the daughters on the street. But the amazing thing, He was working in our lives too. And we as a team, we started asking other questions about what else we weren't seeing that God wanted us to see in our community. Imagine if you will. If we were a church without walls. What difference would that make? Imagine the world looking in. No barriers. And the church, the main activity of the church, you would be out there, not in here. They would be seeing the church in the community. What difference would that make? You see, there is the reality of the lost. But where do we stand when we look at them? Do we stand on the side looking at them through walls? Or do we stand among them being drawn to Jesus? You see, what we have in common with the lost is that we're broken people. What we do not share with them is that through Christ and His grace, we have found hope, but we are still broken people. And when we forget that, that's when we find ourselves on the side looking at those people with disdain. The reality of the lost. They're there. They are there. The second thing is the value of the lost. You know, when you lose something, it implies something really important. It implies that you've lost something that you owned and that you put great value on it. And look at the stories as they unfold. They did whatever it took to find that which was lost. The shepherd lost a sheep, left the 99 to go find the one that was lost. The woman lost the one silver coin. She had nine more. But it wasn't a penny that she lost, something of great value. And she 
did whatever it took to find it. And then, of course, the sons. I want you to hold on to that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what happened when the shepherd found the lost sheep? He got the lost sheep, he brought it back home, and he had a celebration. He called his friends. And what did the woman do? She found the coin. She had a celebration. And she called her friends to rejoice with her. And each one of those stories, Jesus concluded it with saying, and there will be rejoicing in heaven if one person repents. You see. And then the father, in the story of the two lost sons, what I didn't read in verse 32, when the older son was, was full of bitterness that his, her, his father was showing this preferential treatment to this brother of his that had gone and squandered everything. And the father responded in verse 32. In the NIV translation, he said, we had to rejoice. We had to celebrate and be glad. Why? My son was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. He was restored. Something of value was restored. You know, the interesting thing was, I mentioned just a moment ago, when Patricia Green said, these women on the streets are our mothers, our sisters, and daughters. And that opened my eyes when she said, daughters. Which father among us would not do anything to find his lost daughter? Suddenly, these faceless women had an identity of value. You see, God revealed to me that I was like the people, the scribes and Pharisees in verse 2. They were standing and looking the other way at these people. And I searched my heart. Why, Lord? Why didn't I see them before? And you know what he taught me? I was making an idol out of sexual purity. How? I was treating them as sexual objects to be avoided rather than daughters to be rescued. God changed my heart. He opened my eyes to see something of value, a human life, a daughter who had been enslaved and would we not pray that God would send somebody like us to reach out to them, to restore them? Why? Value. Do we value that which is lost? There's an important difference that I've alluded to with the story of the lost sons and the sheeps and the coins. The interesting thing is we don't see the father in the prodigal story 
jumping up and after the son leaves to put together a posse to go search for his son. We don't see that. It's different. And the reason is, Jesus is showing us that there's a difference between lost sheep and coins and people. People have to change to be found. There has to be a change. Jesus shows us the condition of being lost. You see, the son did not know he was lost. The son did not realize that he was bringing deep, deep hurt to his father. He didn't see the love of his father, only the stuff of his father. The son did not care that he was squandering and wasting away his physical life and inheritance, all from his father, and he didn't see it. He was oblivious to the fact that he was among the walking dead. About three years ago, during our Sunday outreaches on the road about what's happening right now in Bulgaria, we saw this young girl for the first time. We'll call her daughter A. She said she was 18 years old. She wasn't a day over 15 working on the street. She got my attention because she was the only girl first. You know, when we go out on outreaches, I drive the van. I'm the driver, and our ladies get out of the van to talk with our daughters. But daughter A saw me behind the wheel, and she started leaning over in the windshield and giving me a little wave and smiling. And it just broke my heart. At the beginning of last year, we, you know, three years later, we watched her grow up on the street. And she came to us so excited because she was expecting her first child. She was overjoyed. We were horrified because most of the controllers make the girls abort their children. But daughter A kept her baby. And over the months, we watched daughter A as the baby grew. Until the beginning of December, just this last December, we were having, I know this sounds strange, bear with me. Beth and our ladies were having baby showers on the side of the road as semi-trucks went by. Bringing out little knitted things to give to daughter A for her soon-to-be-born baby. She was full term and she was still on the street working. She said she promised she would call us when the baby was born, and she did. And we went to visit her in her village hospital. But after her baby was born, our prayer was, Oh God, use this new life to convict her heart, to show her that she's lost that she's among the living dead. Oh God, 
open her heart, open her eyes. We met her baby. We saw her baby, rather, the ladies did. And um, two weeks later, two weeks after she gave birth, we pulled up on the side of the road, and there was daughter A back on the street. So excited to see us, and she even ran around on my side, the danger side, where the trucks go. And I rolled down the window, and she leaned in to show me pictures of her baby. Lost. Lost. Jesus shows us the result of being found. And we pray that daughter A, like the son, who is feeding and envying the food of swine, comes to his senses. And we know this is a picture of the Holy Spirit bringing regeneration to one's heart to enable them not only to understand the plight that they are lost, but begin to understand the nature of the relationship that had been broken. And the son comes to the end of himself. He comes to his senses. He, reali he realizes the broken relationship. And he has a hunger to return to the father on the father's term, not on his own. He knew he didn't deserve to be called a son. And you would ask each one of our daughters on the street, they know they're sinners. We don't have to remind them of that. What we tell them is that they are loved and they are valued. What did the father do? We know what the father did. What happens when one comes to his senses? Three years ago, I was speaking at a supporting church in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Beth wasn't with me, but I was speaking and giving a report like, I, like we've done here all weekend, talking about the work in Bulgaria, also talking about the work of the Daughters of Bulgaria, and at the end of my time there, it was in a PCA church, a Sunday school class. At the end, I asked, are there any questions? And one woman, about 27 years old, raised her hand. I didn't realize that she was a visitor. And she said, I'm one of the women that you've described. Well, you can imagine it was quiet. And the first thing that went through my mind was, oh, Lord, have I said anything that would be offensive or difficult for her to understand because she's a daughter? And I thank God that there wasn't. But she began to tell this story, which I've shared with the ladies earlier. She told the story of how she was in this hotel in D.C., going up to a client in an elevator. The door opened up. 
she got in and before the door closed, an elderly lady got on the elevator with her. And the elderly lady looked at her from down, up, down again, and then looked back up her at her face and she described this beautiful smile that came over this woman's face. And she reached into her purse and took out this little Gideon's New Testament. She took her hand and put the Bible in her hand, closed her hand over it, held her hand and looked into her eyes and said, sweetheart, you need to read this book. The door opened, the little lady got off, the door closed, she went up to her client, but she was in church. She was in church. You know what that means. The only thing I could think to do was to say, these ladies that are sitting around you in the Sunday school class, they're Christian, and they love you. They want to meet you. What does the father do in the story? He sees his son at a distance. And throwing off all social protocol, he runs. He embraces. He celebrates. He reestablishes his relationship with his son. His son said, I don't deserve this. And he pushes us aside and, and celebrates the return of his dead, lost son. He's restored. An interesting omission in the story. The first two stories, Jesus says that he looks at the story, he tells the story, and he says, it'll be like this in heaven, that all of heaven will rejoice if one sinner repents. But we don't see that in the third story. And the re reason why... I believe, is that what we have is a picture of heaven. We have a picture of the Heavenly Father. We have a picture of God leading the course. That one, one of his loss is restored. And why? The key is the value he places on his lost. Because the father in the parable said, we have to celebrate. We must celebrate. We must. And remember, the father did not go out and search like the other two stories. But again, we have a picture of God. And the picture we see is that God did whatever it took to save his loss. What did it take? What did it take? Do you think it took courage for Jesus, the Christ, to leave his Father's presence, to come in this world with the purpose of dying? 
do you think it took courage? Do we have this courage as Jesus who came, who lived, who died to save that which was lost? Why? The value he places on us. He loved us to die for us. So the question is, brothers and sisters, how do you value the lost? I think it's interesting in the very last scene of the third story, the older brother was saying, this son of yours, he did all this stuff, he did this stuff, this stuff. And Jesus in the story turned around. In verse 32, he said, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. Notice what he says. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. For me, it was a daughter. For him, we don't know how the older brother responded. It was a brother. And what is it for you? How do you view the lost? Are you viewing from the side with disdain? Or do you see as those who are among the broken, moving, walking, being drawn to a real, living Jesus Christ who does not live within walls but lives among people who are broken and who need to hear the hope of Jesus and to see his love demonstrated through his people. Heavenly Father, O oh God, we pray that we might be those who value the lost. Why? Because you value us. Lord, we're no different than those outside these walls, except you have interceded in our lives. You have snatched us out of the flame. You have given us your grace. You have renewed our hearts, and you have set us on the rock who is called Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.